This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. Again, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from a very snowy London, Ontario. There's about a foot of snow outside my door, and no better time to sit back and listen to a podcast. And in my case, record a podcast for you. Our great fans who like us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or anywhere else. Share this podcast with friends. Let's build this community. And also, be sure to check out the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. With these guys, there's a whole bunch of information coming to you, whether it's information on happenings at events, the events themselves, or great interviews. We have you covered on the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. I'll be right back after this short message with this week's podcast. Shockstock 2020 is coming to the Ramada, London on May 1st to the 3rd. The new Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near as the outside world falls into chaos. Word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spreads throughout the land. It's three days of thrills and chills with screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, and all-nighter parties. See special guests like James Lawrence, Mike Lackey, B.A. Johnson, and Sadie Katz. Shockstock 2020 is brought to you by Shockstock, Twisted Tees, Rotten Rags, and Taboo Textiles. For tickets and booking information, go to growtix.com. Shockstock 2020. You don't want to miss it. Hello, do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including 
information on how people can reach out to you, and information on your services. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October of 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learn all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. My name is The Muscle, Smash Wrestling's hottest free agent. I toss bodies and wheel hotties, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Welcome back to the show. As always, we start off with the Ontario scene. This past Sunday, a couple of guys and myself went to Toronto to the rec room and saw Smash Wrestling's return in almost seven months to the city of Toronto. This is my first trip to the rec room, and I must say it was a really nice venue to be watching wrestling in. We had some really great seats, had some really great action, good conversation with Sebastian Suave after the show, and if you happen to tune into the Facebook page, you saw some of our cut-ins before, during, and after the show, giving highlights of the day. But if you didn't, here's what happened on that card. The opening match saw TJ Crawford taking on John Greed. This was supposed to be a triple threat match, including Sebastian Suave, but cards subject to change. In this case, I had no idea who TJ Crawford was, and to be honest, he looked like generic wrestler number six from any video game that you play. So that's what we started calling him. He got beat up by John Greed, and Greed picked up the victory. Then we saw Sebastian Suave. He came out, wearing a little bit different ring gear than normal, and he announced that Anthony Kingdom James and him have parted ways for now, and he's still going to go after those money endorsements. And as such, he gets paid more for each match that he does. So, he's now issuing an open challenge at each event, and going to take on not one, not two, but three opponents each night. So he brought out his first opponent, and it was Michael Grayson. He convinced Grayson to pose for the hard camera and got attacked from behind, Grayson did. Swab made quick work of Michael Grayson and sent him packing. Next thing you know, he brings out Rodney Matthews. He tried to do the same trick, but Matthews wasn't uh, going to fall for that. Even still, it wasn't enough. And Rodney Matthews got pinned. The third opponent was revealed to be Brent Money Banks, one of the pillars of professional wrestling here in Ontario. They faced off against each other, and Sebastian really didn't want to go against Brent since they are pillars, and said this wasn't the time or place for that to happen, 
But if they really did want to face each other, Brent would have to wait till Super Showdown. Because two years ago at Super Showdown, Tarek and Sebastian tore down the house and was match of the year. And he knows if they're going to fight again, they can be that same caliber and be match of the year at Super Showdown. So Brent will have to wait if this is going to happen. Sebastian then slapped Brent, hopped out of the ring, and left the area. Brent stood there in the ring as people started counting for a 10 count and got an unofficial 10 count victory over Sebastian Suave. Up next was Veda Scott, who we all see each and every year at the Kinesa Classic, challenging Rosemary for the Women's Championship. This was a really good battle between the two ladies, but Rosemary retained the championship in her latest defense. Up next was tag team action with Baywatch, the lifeguard on duty, Josh Pine, and the wave maker, Kyle Boone, taking on the Philly Marino experience. Philly Marino are definitely a throwback to the 80s, with one member even looking a little bit like Michael P.S. Hayes, and could have been the love child of Michael Hayes and any groupie from the 80s. The teams were not so bad against each other. Philly Mario have some uh, talent. They're entertaining. But it was also a mixture of comedy. Just going to the edge that they needed to. But unfortunately, Josh Pine tried to use a towel and ended up hitting Kyle Boone out of the ring with it. And Philly Mario took advantage and pinned Josh Pine for the victory. Then, they announced a number one contenders match, which wasn't originally announced as a number one contenders match, but it was Tarek taking on Speedball Mike Bailey, former champ, taking on the winner of the Northern Tournament. These guys definitely wanted to go at it and become the new number one contender. They were chops all over the place, whether it was in the front, whether it was in their back. They were kicking each other. This match was just amazing. You'll definitely have to go on to Twitch where this match was uh, posted as the whole event was. And just to see this match itself, if you're going to choose one out of the whole card, go back and look at this one. Wow, just insane with all the hits that they did. In the end, Tarek pinned Mike Bailey and is now the new number one contender for whoever was going to be the champion at the end of the night. After a brief intermission, we came back with Psycho Mike Rollins, scheduled to take on Joey Threat, but due to traveling issues, she wasn't able to make it, and Brent Banks was in the building, so we got to see Brent Banks versus Psycho Mike Rollins. Psycho Mike really didn't care about having uh, Brent check for any extra weapons, and there was a reason for that, as we found out later in the match. And Mike Rollins used a little bit of distraction with the ref and hit Brent Banks with another hidden object. Mike Rollins then picked up the victory, seemingly turning heel, it appears, but still wanted to say that he's a good guy and wanted to be friends with Brent Banks, even forcing him to hug him before he left. Where this goes with Psycho Mike and his conscience, which we saw in a backstage vignette. Who knows? But we'll have to wait and see where the direction of Mike is going. Two new teams to the 
The Smash Wrestling scene came out next as the main state posse got mauled, literally got mauled, by Bear Country. Bear Country are some bigger guys, maybe a little more athletic than a John Greed, but having this combination is amazing. I would love to see Bear Country come back. Bear Country picked up the victory. They used basically a uh, reverse electric chair sort of splash as one member of Bear Country picked up the other one and came crashing down on the one member of Main State Posse. I'd love to say their names, but I really don't know who they were beyond their tag team names. Hopefully if they either of these two teams stay around, we'll get to know these competitors a little bit better and be able to name them going forward. But it was a really good match between Bear Country and Main State Posse. It would just have to see if they come back. Then it came to the main event of the evening. Earlier in a vignette, we saw that Roscoe was by the side of the remix of professional wrestling Kevin Bennett, but they ended up distracting the muscle and took his chain. This came into play later on in the match as Carter Mason went to challenge Kevin Bennett for the championship after he defeated Tyson Dukes just a few weeks earlier here in London. The match went back and forth, as would be expected. Roscoe tried interfering a few times, and as it came down to the ending, the referee got knocked out. Carter Mason knighted Kevin Bennett, but there wasn't a referee to count because Jake Clemens wasn't there. Usually they have two referees, and Jake was supposed to be the second one. We later on found out on Monday that he was in Winnipeg doing a little bit of shenanigans. But back to Toronto, there was only one ref, and he was down. What was going to happen? As they went to use the chain, out came the muscle, demanding to get his chain back. He came to the ring to confront Kevin Bennett, but it was all a ruse as he ended up taking his chain and taking out Carter Mason as well. Just in time for them to get the referee up and the remix, Kevin Bennett retained the Smash Wrestling Championship over the King of the North, Carter Mason. Carter Mason's mom was sitting right at ringside to watch this, hoping that this was going to be the night that her son became the king of Smash Wrestling and made it to the top of the mountain. Unfortunately, this was yet to happen. It was thwarted by Roscoe and the Muscle. We'll have to see where things go forward for the King of the North, but we do know one thing for sure. Coming up, Kevin Bennett will have to defend his championship against... Mr. Punch Kick Chop Tarek in a rematch from earlier this summer when Bennett took the title away from Tarek. Will Bennett be able to hold on to it throughout the summer and get rid of the challenge from Tarek? You'll have to go to other Smash Wrestling events throughout the year. Speaking of those events, they've announced that on April 19th, Smash Wrestling returns to St. Thomas for a great card. Then, on Saturday, April 25th, NSPW from Quebec is going to be battling it out with the stars of Smash Wrestling at the Rec Room in Toronto. Then, the very next night, on April 26th, NSPW and Smash battle out again, but this time at the London Music Hall. You can get your tickets for all three of these events by going to smash-wrestling.com.
Be sure to keep it right here on our Facebook page and podcast for more information as these cards get built. Plus, you can also join us on the road to Listowel, Ontario for Midwestern Wrestling as they are going to have their second event at the Parkview Gardens and crown their very first ever champion. But before all that happens, the rest of the card looks like this. You'll see Nova taking on Sabrina Kyle. There'll be a triple threat tag team match involving the team of Nathan Newton and Randy Bino teaming together to go against Halal Beefcake and The Revolt. You'll also see The Muscle taking on the Canadian buzzsaw Corey Stone. Kyle Boone, the Wavemaker, will go one-on-one with the Night Train, Justin Sane. Backed by popular demand, Psycho Mike Rollins faces off against the endorsement, Sebastian Suave, and Midwestern Wrestling will crown their first ever champion. It's a battle of pillars as the wrestling machine, Tyson Dukes, takes on Mr. Punch Kick Chop, Tarek. These two know each other really well, not only inside the ring, but outside the ring. Who will be the first champion and who will hold that title above their head? You have to be there March 28th, Parkview Gardens in Listowel, Ontario to find out that answer. Plus, this week, if you were paying attention to Midwestern Wrestling's Facebook page, you'll notice that they just announced their commissioner of Midwestern Wrestling in the one and only Chris Kurtz. He's an MMA fighter and personal trainer. He'll be on hand to present the championship at the end of the night. Check out Midwestern Wrestling to find out how you can get tickets and if you'd like to join Chris Maloney and I on the road, just let me know. Shoot me a private message and we'll get you some tickets and join us as we preview all the day's events before, during, and after the event. Midwestern Wrestling, March 28th, Parkview Gardens, Listowel, Ontario. Finishing up everything on the Ontario wrestling scene, this is now your Ontario Indie Road Trip. Be sure to catch our video each and every week on Fridays to know what's happening all across Ontario from one end to the other. Great independent wrestling is coming your way. Hop in a car, bus, or train to get there if it's not in your hometown. It's available on Facebook and YouTube. Now looking at this week's calendar, tonight, Saturday, February 29th, you can go to... Fort Erie for Border Town Wrestling, their second anniversary show called Uprising. I'll be there along with Jonesy, so stop in and say hello. You can also catch 365 Pro Wrestling at the Alpine Club in Kitchener. And also on Saturday, Great Northern Great North Wrestling has a stellar card featuring the Faces of Fear and Two Cold Scorpio. And that's happening in Smith Falls. Acclaim Pro Wrestling has an event in Oshawa tonight with Return to Danger Zone. Then on Sunday, March 1st, Championship Wrestling from Ontario returns to Club Envy in Brantford for NVS. Pro Wrestling Eclipse has a special seminar and event featuring Rhino in Oshawa. Thursday, March 5th, Tribute Communities presents the Rena Rumble at the Midtown Event Theater in Toronto in support of Rena Foundation 
providing housing, programs, and support for children, adults, and seniors with autism and other disabilities. Special guests include the Brooklyn Brawler, Virgil, Hornswoggle, Papa Shango, and the Genius. Looking ahead to next weekend, on Saturday, March 7th, Barry Wrestling presents With the Help of All My Friends in Barry. On Sunday, March 8th, Greektown Wrestling presents Strong Zero, Deathmatch and Strong. And Hamilton Wrestling Entertainment presents Crossroads in Hamilton in support of the Hamilton and Burlington SPCA. Tickets for all these events can be found at the individual organization's websites. Be sure to get out and support indie wrestling throughout this great province of ours and support the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, and located at 309 Exeter Road here in London. If you're looking for a great independent wrestling happening in our province of Ontario, look no further than Ontario Indie Road Trip. It's available on Facebook and YouTube, and we run down all the great events happening in this province. Whether you get in a car, bus, or train, there's a show near you. Support independent wrestling and the Ontario Indie Road Trip. Yo, this is Tarek, you're listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. Tonight, Saturday, February 29th, is AEW Revolution happening on pay-per-view. Wherever you get your pay-per-views from, whether it's fight TV or traditional, be sure to tune in later on for this uh, hugely stacked card. But this past Wednesday, AEW was doing Dynamite from the Silverstein Eye Center in Kansas City, Missouri. Of course, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and Excalibur were uh, broadcast hosts, and Taz ended up joining them later on in the program. But the show started off with a 30-minute Ironman match with uh, the Kenny Omega taking on the bastard Pac. Pac has been obsessed with getting the victory finally over Kenny Omega. This is their rubber match because they both have won a match against each other. And this was set for an Ironman 
competition. At one point, uh, after going uh, against each other for a while, Pocket really frustrated and decided to get himself disqualified by beating down Kenny Omega with a chair. And that gave Kenny a victory. But Pac was able to also weaken Kenny enough to get a victory of his own. So there was some method to his madness in doing so. And they were tied 1-1 for the rest of the 30 minutes. It ended in a tie. There was a deeming of there being a sudden death. And Kenny Omega ended up picking up the victory over Pac. For me, I thought it was a good match. The only thing that took away from it was the absolute no-sell that each of them did when they're hitting huge moves. They should have had a lot more victories on either side than just 1-1 after everything that we're being hit with. It did kind of make it unbelievable uh, for the match, but visually it was good to watch. Logically, not so good. Tony Schiavone then came out to interview uh, Pac on the ramp, but Pac insulted Schiavone. Orange Cassidy uh, casually strolled out and got into Pac's face. Pac ended up uh, hitting Orange Cassidy and putting him down. Later on, it was announced that these two are going to face off against each other at Revolution. Next up was the six-man tag team match featuring the inner circle, Sammy Guevara, Santana Ortiz taking on Jurassic Express, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt. The two teams ended up going back and forth, with the ending coming when uh, Jungle Boy floated over the top of Sammy Guevara, and Guevara then ended up getting uh, one of the loaded socks that Santana Ortiz have been carrying around lately, and uh, the referee, Bryce Rumsberg, was being distracted, and before Sammy could use the, the loaded sock on Jungle Boy, Darby Allen uh, came to the rescue and intercepted the sock. Jungle Boy uh, then grabbed the distracted uh, Sammy Guevara and rolled him up for a victory, giving Jurassic Express the pinfall. Next up was a tag team match with best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent. They had Orange Cassie in their corner, taking on the Butcher and the Blade, who had the bunny in their corner. Um, once again, typical tag team match uh, going on here. Uh, Trent was tagged in and used a swinging DDT on Blade. Trent then tried to uh, jump from the outside onto uh, the Blade, but was caught. Blade then uh, speared, or Trent then speared Blade, knocking him to the uh, floor. Trent... Uh, Locked up with Blade, who had been distracted by Orange Cassidy, and the best friends used Strong Zero on the Blade to get the victory. There was a moment when uh, Bunny and Orange Cassidy were confronting each other again. The last time she did that, she uh, ended up giving a high knee to uh, Orange Cassidy and knocking him down. This time she ended up taking his glasses but he ended up taking her bunny ears and then went and launched himself out of the ring onto the butcher. But with this whole distraction, the best friends did pick up the victory. Tony Schiavone came back down to ringside and announced that the match uh, with Pac and Orange Cassidy 
is confirmed for Revolution, and it seems like Orange Cassidy is actually going to try in this match. So we'll see what happens. There was a four-way women's match featuring the Magic Girl, Yuka Sakasaki, uh, Big Spall, Shayna, and uh, Haruka Shida. Uh, all the women went against each other. Yuka tried to stay out of the way, but they ended up catching up to her. Shayna uh, hit a diving stomp onto Sakasaki and Shida. Then Shayna went for Big Swole, but Swole hit the uh, record onto her. She'd have won the match with a running knee against Big Swole. And, yeah, just a really cluster of a women's match. Not too spectacular, but when I saw it happening, I actually was picking Sheeta to uh, get the victory in this one. They then showed an interview from earlier in the day uh, featuring Kenny Omega and Hangman Page on one side and the Young Bucks on the other talking about their tag team match. The Young Bucks are trying to just still remain friends and be the elite. Kenny's stuck in the middle and Hangman had a drink in his hand, but when he was being confronted by the Young Bucks about his uh, drink and being arrogant and just his attitude towards them, Page reminded them that he tried to leave the elite and wanting to go his own way, and that was seen on being the elite a couple months ago, but that still hasn't uh, happened. He even questioned why the Young Bucks have not been champions yet in AEW. But then, as things got heated, Page swallowed his last uh, mouthful of alcohol and decided to walk off and left Kenny with the Young Bucks a little confused about what's going on and that's where things uh, set going into their tag team match tonight. The finish of the night saw the weigh-in with AEW champion Le Champion Chris Jericho and John Moxley as they're going to go against each other. Um, they even brought out Gary Michael Capetta to do the announcing of this and uh, be the master of ceremonies. Moxley quickly got on the scales and got weighed in. Then Jericho uh, wasted time and was stalling a lot and not wanting to really get on scales for no apparent reason. Jericho then uh, walked up and said something in Moxley's face and Moxley headbutted uh, Jericho. Later on, it looked like uh, Jericho needed, like about, I think, seven stitches to uh, close up the wound that happened from the headbutt. The inner circle then swarmed Mox and uh, started beating him down. Dustin Rhodes came to the rescue and he went after Jake Hager since they're going against each other tonight. And bodies were going everywhere. Rhodes and Hager were brawling in the concourse of the arena, even into the dipping Dots. And JR was cursing them for going after the dipping Dots that did nothing to them. Darby Allen ended up sprinting down to the ring on his uh, skateboard, in, with his skateboard in hand, should I say, and went after uh, Sammy Guevara. Guevara was able to uh, get Darby with a knee to the side of the face and took the uh, skateboard and broke it in half over Darby Allen. Mox ended up getting back to his feet, uh, and Bloody Jericho uh, ended up taking out Moxley with the 
Judas Effect elbow. Jericho even used the Paragon Shift uh, on Moxley and hit him into the uh, scale. And that's how things ended up wrapping up leading into tonight's pay-per-view. I'm just going to do a quick rundown of the card. If you happen to join us on TNT this past Thursday, you have gotten maybe a little bit more in-depth of what were thoughts on going into this pay-per-view. But there's eight matches, including one that's going to be on a pre-show for tonight, and that has SoCal Uncensored taking on the Dark Order, and that's going to be... um, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, they're going to have uh, Reynolds and Silver by their side. Christopher Daniels is going to be in the corner of so-called censored, so it'll be Kazarian Sky uh, going into battle. This is hopefully where they finally do something more with who the Exalted One is. A lot of people think it's going to be Matt Hardy, but I don't think his contract's up. That We saw Raven at one point uh, ringside. Or they're going to pull the trigger and beat Christopher Daniels, which has just been too telegraphed. Hopefully things get advanced and we see what's going on. I do see the Dark Order, though, picking up the victory. Pac is going to take on Orange Cassidy. I'm going with Pac destroying uh, Cassidy. Nyla Rose is taking on Chris Statlander. And I see Nyla retaining the uh, championship. Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara could be the match of the night. I'm going to go with Darby Allen winning, but this one could go either way, especially if Santana and Ortiz get involved with uh, the match. Darby could be on the losing end. Jake Hager taking on Dustin Rhodes. Jake has only been more of a behind-the-scenes follower. Uh, we do know him as Jack. Jack Swagger from WWE, and he's doing his MMA uh, stuff. But Dustin Rhodes is in, like, the best shape of his life. I'm going with Dustin to pick up the victory. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega defending the tag team titles against the Young Bucks. This is way too early. They do not like the slow burn in AEW. Um, It's very telegraphed that something's going to happen with Adam Page and Kenny Omega. But Adam is over huge with the fans, especially with his drinking gimmick. How they can turn him heel, which inevitably it looks like that's going to be the direction, is beyond me. But what if they do something that, I'm trying to remember who it was that said it, maybe even Daniel said it, but turn Omega heel instead. But, yeah, I think the tag time... Tag team titles are going to be retained by Omega and Page, and that's where things are going to get complicated. MJF against Cody, another we can't let something slowly burn and build up. MJF needs the victory in this. Cody's coming in after having his match with Wardlow in the cage and being lashed with the strap. For Cody to get the victory, let me... They mix this whole thing over and done with in one shot. MJF has the advantage, essentially, physically. So they need to keep MJF strong and give him this and stretch out this feud a little bit longer, whether it's to All Out or whatever the next uh, pay-per-view is. I'd like to see that happen. 
And the main event sees Chris Jericho taking on John Moxley, the youngest champion in AEW history, Chris Jericho. I see retaining the championship. Once again, this could be some interference from the inner circle. But yes, Jericho should retain. And that's happening tonight on pay-per-view, AEW Revolution. Hello, what is up everybody? It is Ocho from the Ocho and Ortiz Wrestling Podcast. Home to the best kept secret in the wrestling podcasting community. Our live podcast from Greektown Wrestling and Union Wrestling. We also discuss a lot of other things. WWE, AEW. Every once in a while we throw in New Japan and ROH. Be sure you're checking out our show. We are available on most major podcasts and platforms, especially on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and our main source of uploading is Podbean, ochoandortiz.podbean.com. You can also follow us on social media, at Ocho Wrestling on Twitter, at Ocho and Ortiz on Instagram, or facebook.com slash ochoandortiz. We also do have a YouTube page, so be sure you're checking out our content there. Just search for Ocho and Ortiz in the search bar. Now, let's get you back to your regular programming. If you enjoy podcasts and wrestling information like we do, join the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. We have all of Ontario covered, whether it's interviews, information, or event listings. You can find us on Shaw Style Podcasting, The Weekly Whisper, Straight Talk Wrestling, Thursday Night Throwdown, Kill Me Talks, Ontario Indie Road Trip, Knights of the Squared Circle, Ocho and Ortiz Podcast, Ringside with Chops, Stogie Mania, and the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Across Ontario, we have you covered. It's the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and online at oiwpodcastnetwork.ca. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. Taking a look at results from this week in WWE, we're going to go back to Monday to start, even though Super Showdown was... Probably more the important but not important stuff. I don't know your opinion. But we'll uh, start with Monday Night Raw and some quick hits. Kevin Owens confronted Randy Orton, wondering why he went after Edge. They were in Winnipeg, so of course, Kevin Owens was over huge since he's Canadian. Everybody's hometown guy, regardless of where your actual hometown is. As long as you have Canada on the end of your name uh, description. For your hometown, your hometown is all of Canada. And he said about Randy not giving Matt Hardy an answer and really beating Matt Hardy down, but he wants an answer and is willing to fight him later on. Angel Garza defeated Humberto Carrillo. Ricochet defeated Luke Gallows, so now he's defeated both uh, members of the OC individually. WWE Champion Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman Addressed Lesnar's match with Ricochet, and it was once again one of those spoilers that it's going to be over and done with quickly and nobody's going to matter. Aleister Black uh, defeated Eric Rowan. Black had actually been attacked earlier in the evening uh, by AJ Styles in the OC, 
So he came out uh, with a severe handicap with his uh, beating that he took, but it still wasn't enough for Eric Rowan to defeat him. At one point, the cage got knocked off the steps, and Eric was able to get it and apologize to the cage. We still don't know what's in it. I just hope they end it soon. Bobby Lashley defeated R-Truth. R-Truth was attempting to have uh, his own sort of Truth TV uh, segment, and it turned into a match. Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch ended up brawling with Shayna Baszler during the Women's Elimination Chamber match contract signing. The other five women had uh, been there and signed the contract, and Shayna wasn't anywhere to be seen, but then Shayna arrived. And, yeah, as I said, all hell broke loose, and Becky had made it down, and it came down to Becky and Shayna. But there was also uh, fighting going on with Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan after what happened with them. Angelo Dawkins uh, defeated Murphy by disqualification. It was a really short and quick match there if you actually want to call it a match. And then Montez Ford and Seth Rollins went at it for almost 15 minutes or so. But Seth Rollins defeated Montez Ford. So Montez at least got a good showing for himself. And the final match of the night saw Randy Orton defeat Kevin Owens. It was a rather wonky uh, finish as it looked like somebody got injured. It was a fast count. And I guess even Randy looked a little stunned with it. The referee was uh, Jake Clemens, who was supposed to be at uh, Smash Wrestling on Sunday. But as I said earlier, he made it to Winnipeg to be a part of this. Kevin Owens ended up going after him uh, because Seth Rollins had also uh, been part of the interference in this match. And the referee shirt got uh, torn open to reveal that he was wearing a uh, Seth Rollins t-shirt. So he's sort of a follower of Seth Rollins. And one can only assume this is going to lead to a WrestleMania match maybe with Seth and uh, Kevin. But... Yeah, that's how the wonky finish happened with this week on Raw and Randy Orton picking up the victory. Getting some quick results from NXT. Cameron Grimes defeated Dominic Dijakovic in the first match. Imperium interrupted Finn Balor, sending him a message from Walter. One can only hope that this is a setup for Finn Balor against Walter at TakeOver Dublin, I believe it is, that's coming up for the UK brand. Uh, Zia Lee defeated Mia Yim. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez attacked them both afterwards, and she's the one that's been hanging out with Dakota Kai. Ta- uh, Tommaso Ciampa defeated Austin Theory, but then Johnny Gargano came out and attacked Ciampa. Killian Dane defeated Bronson Reed. The Grizzled Young Veterans defeated the Forgotten Sons. And Charlotte Flair defeated Bianca Belair, but then was confronted by Rhea Ripley. After, basically, after Charlotte defeated Bianca, she, she wanted to make a, more of an example of uh, Belair and attacked Belair, put her uh, foot in chair, and that's when Ripley came out to somewhat make the save and confront Charlotte. So this is setting up, obviously, for their match that's going to happen at WrestleMania. And now the results from Super Showdown. Um, this was a odd Thursday show in the middle of the afternoon for us here in North America, or at least in our area of North America. And 
there was a little bit of stuff that was going to be needed to move forward. At the same time, they would switched venues, and so it was a different look. I noticed that when some people started to get like cheering and into the stuff, there might have been somebody directing them to stop, so I don't know what was going on with that. Uh, so it was a hot and cold crowd, really, for this Saudi Arabia. And some of the uh, results are going to uh, have reflection on WrestleMania and everything going forward. So with that, here's the quick hits for Super Showdown. If you want to see it, you can always check out the WD Network. But the pre-show had just one match on it, and it was the Viking Raiders taking on the OC. In the end, Ivar attempted a moonsault on Anderson, and he ended up moving out of the way and taking uh, Gallows, and the OC hit the magic killer on Ivar to get the victory. Then the actual event started, and I don't know, it was the uh, Tweety Cup uh, match, they kept on calling it so prestigious and that, but it came off more as a comedy show before wrapped up at the end of the uh, match. But it started off with R-Truth taking on Bobby Lashley. Lana came out just for like a brief moment, so she got to be on the uh, show just like Bailey and Naomi would later, but she really wasn't there for much longer. R-Truth ended up eliminating Lashley with a roll-up, after the elimination, Lashley attacked Truth. Ne- up next was the United States champion Andrade, who then was eliminated after exchanging headbutts with R-Truth. And then Truth landed onto Andrade for the uh, pin. The fourth uh, participant came out and it was Eric Rowan. During the match, Rowan threw Truth into the ring steps and knocked over the cage. And Rowan went and attacked Truth with the steps and got himself disqualified for his elimination. Out next for the match was going to be AJ Styles. He eliminated Truth by making him submit to the calf crusher. The final participant of the match was supposed to be Rey Mysterio because Rey Mysterio uh, replaced Rusev earlier in the week because Rusev's contract is, still has not been settled even though Lana's going to be there for at least five years unless she finds a way of out of her contract. Either way, back to the match. Mysterio uh, was seen as being attacked backstage by Gallows and Anderson. Styles then claimed himself as the winner by forfeit. Unfortunately for Styles, the referee would not uh, do that. The referee still wanted to give Mysterio a chance to get to the ring if he was at all possible physically and wanted to start a 10 count. As the referee started counting, we saw backstage again that the OC had been attacked by the Undertaker who then made his entrance into the arena and taking uh, Rey Mysterio's place. Taker then got into the ring, hit a uh, choke slam on AJ Styles and won without even taking off his coat and jacket and he is the prestigious Tweety uh, cut, uh, Trophy champion. It's just kind of weird that at each of these shows there needs to be some sort of cup or prize given out. And in this case, Undertaker got it. And I guess he's now undefeated still at the Saudi Arabia shows. Up next was the 
New Day defending the SmackDown Tag Team titles against Miz and Morrison. The ending ended up coming when Miz hit a skull-crushing finale on Big E for almost a near fall. But then Morrison hit Kingston with a chair, and the referee didn't see it, and Miz uh, pinned Kingston with a roll-up to become the new tag team champions. The next match saw the cousins Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza go against each other. This match was definitely not as good as the one that they had on Monday, and Garza hit a roll-up on Carrillo to get the victory. Up next was Seth Rollins and Murphy defending the Raw Tag Team Championships against the Street Profits. After Murphy hit a ripcord knee on Dawkins, he fell onto the bottom ring rope, allowing Rollins to hit the stomp on Dawkins. Murphy then uh, pinned Dawkins to retain the titles. Mansoor, the local uh, favorite from Saudi Arabia, then faced off against Dolph Ziggler, who was accompanied by uh, Robert Roode. Before the match officially began, Roode had an altercation with uh, Mansoor, and Mansoor attacked Roode. This resulted in the referee ejecting Roode from the ringside, but in the end, Mansoor hit a moonsault on Ziggler to pick up the victory, and he's still now undefeated in all the Saudi Arabia cards that he's been on. Following the match, though, Mansoor uh, gave uh, another heartwarming speech to his hometown crowd. Then Brock Lesnar came out to defend the WWE Championship. He was accompanied to the ring by Paul Heyman, and he was defending against Ricochet. Lesnar hit three German suplexes and an F5 on Ricochet in about a minute and 30 seconds and ended up retaining the WWE Championship over Ricochet. Roman Reigns and King Corbin battled it out in a steel cage. Reigns came down with a chain wrapped around his neck and he used it to lock the door. Um, I guess the door was supposed to be able to be used for escaping through, but Reigns wanted to take that option away from uh, Corbin by bringing the chain and locking it. Corbin, though, uh, managed to get a key to unlock the uh, lock that Reigns had put on it, but was still not able to escape the uh, cage. Reigns ended up uh, hitting Corbin with the door instead. Corbin ended up mocking uh, Reigns and attempting to hit the Superman punch with the chain wrapped around his fist. But Reigns ended up intercepting Corbin with one of his own for a near fall. In the end, Reigns uh, hit his own Superman punch with the chain wrapped around his fist. And uh, Corbin ended up getting pinned. Hopefully, this was the last time we see these two against each other. But I think we've said this like the last two or three times that they've battled against each other. So you never know. Bailey ended up uh, defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Naomi. They were uh, mentioning this the first time the Women's Championship has been defended in Saudi Arabia. Uh, they both did the same thing, uh, wearing the black bodysuits and t-shirts just to cover themselves up and be allowed to be on the show. The end saw Bailey uh, trap Naomi's legs in her t-shirt, though, and hit a face buster on Naomi to retain the title. Um, like I said, they were dressed like this due to the laws of the country, and both women uh, had to wear full body suits, though uh, Bailey's was all black, and Naomi's was a colorful one to, to go with her glow gimmick. Um, 
I guess if that's going to get them on the card, then so be it. You have to adapt to some uh, rules and laws uh, wherever you go, regardless of the country. It's just kind of nice to see them being able to finally do it. And now this being the second time having a women's match on the show. The main event saw The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, uh, defending against Goldberg for the Universal Championship. After a stare down, Goldberg quickly hit a spear on The Fiend for a near fall. The Fiend then uh, hit the mandible claw on Goldberg, who managed to power out of it. Goldberg hit three more spears on The Fiend for uh, near falls only. The Fiend then sat up to a surprise Goldberg, who applied another mandible claw on him. This time, Goldberg managed to power out of it again, and Goldberg then hit a jackhammer on The Fiend to win the Universal title for a second time. This was The Fiend's first loss since uh, Bray Wyatt uh, came up with The Fiend gimmick. I can't say as I agree with how it was done, because especially with it going to Goldberg, but obviously they have their plans for WrestleMania, and that sort of unfolded last night on SmackDown. But I don't know, they could have done some way of protecting Bray, I think, a little bit more. Something like what they did with Undertaker uh, and Hogan back in the early 90s. They uh, built Undertaker up really high, gave him the title, but he really didn't need the belt, and they found a wonky way of getting it off him. They could have done the same thing with Bray, especially after he's destroyed so many top stars and made them look weak compared to him, and now you have Goldberg do that to him. Like It just didn't make sense, to be honest. As Goldberg was celebrating, the lights went out, the fiend disappeared, and the lights came back on, and Goldberg continued to celebrate as the show came to an end. This brought us to SmackDown last night, where the show started off with Goldberg in the middle of the ring, and he said it's not who was last, but it's who's next, and he got interrupted by Roman Reigns, who came out, just got in his face, and said, I'm next, and left. The first match of the night was Naomi against Bailey. Bailey didn't agree with the fact that she had to go against Naomi again since she just beat her the night before. She ended up introducing Sasha Banks, who has been absent for a little bit. I think she was doing some recording. Um, not sure music-wise, I think it was. And she might be appearing in The Mandalorian, I'm hearing. So we'll have to see what happens with Season 2 of The Mandalorian if she's in that. But Naomi defeated Bailey by disqualification when Sasha got involved. Lacey Evans ended up coming down to make the save on Naomi. It got turned into a tag team match, which had Naomi defeating Bailey uh, for her team. Robert Roode came out uh, and took on Kofi Kingston. Dolph Ziggler was by uh, Roode's side. We also saw backstage that Mandy Rose was watching the match, and they're hinting that actually Mandy is now with Dolph Ziggler. And of course, Otis is very depressed by this, and Tucker's just trying to get him to get past Mandy because sometimes things happen. But Robert Reed ended up defeating Kofi Kingston. Then, the Intercontinental title contract signing uh, was happening, and it was supposed to be Braun Strowman and Shinsuke Nakamura, of course, Sami Zayn got in 
Braun's face, sort of with making comments. Cesaro was there. Braun had basically had enough and said he didn't care what was going to happen because he knew, regardless of signing the contract, that he was going to end up facing all three of them because all three are always together. And so he just signed the contract. And that's where Sammy said, oh, well, you're willing to take on all three of us? He made a little amendment to the contract, like initialed it, signed it. And so now it's going to be a three-on-one handicap match for the Intercontinental Championship at Elimination Chamber. Drew Gulak was on commentary for the next match, and he's got his eyes on Daniel Bryan, so we might be seeing a Daniel Bryan-Drew Gulak match coming up. But Daniel Bryan uh, took on and defeated Curtis Axel. The Usos ended up coming out to go against Miz and Morrison. This match was set up after the fact that Miz and Morrison came out to celebrate their title victory from defeating the New Day in Saudi Arabia just the night before. And then an official told the ring announcer that Miz and Morrison will be first officially defending their tag team titles in an elimination chamber match in just a week and a half to go. And that's when the Usos came out. Usos, New Day, uh, I think the Lucha House Party and Tucker and Otis are, I think, supposed to be, like Heavy Machinery, are supposed to be in this match challenging Miz and Morrison for the tag team titles. They had also made it official that Roman and Goldberg are going to face off against each other at WrestleMania, so there's no need for a men's elimination chamber to determine the number one contender for the Universal title, and that's probably why this is now in place with the tag team titles. The show wrapped up with John Cena coming out. John was basically in his hometown since he's from Newberry, Massachusetts, they were in Boston, and he said that he's always considered WWE his home, but his life has changed and stuff, so he feels that this year WrestleMania belongs to people who have earned it and deserved it, and that he was not going to have a role at WrestleMania. So he then left the ring, headed up to the top of the ramp, gave one last salute, and they were trying to play it off as though he's riding off into the sunset. Next thing you know, the lights start going off and you hear the whole uh, entrance of Bray Wyatt happening. When the lights came back on, Cena was still standing there looking a little puzzled. He stepped to the side and you saw the Fiend standing behind him. As Cena looked at the Fiend, all he did was lift up his uh, hand, pointed at the sign. They appeared to not share any uh, words, but... He, the Fiend just kept on pointing at the WrestleMania sign. Cena acknowledged it, looked back at the Fiend, tipped his hat, and basically said, yep, they'll go against each other at WrestleMania. This leads us to the Elimination Chamber uh, event, pay-per-view, whichever you want to call it, happening on WWE Network. It's going to happen on March 8th, and it's coming to us from uh, Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Three matches have been confirmed so far, and two of them are Elimination Chambers. Um, the Intercontinental title, as I said, is on the line with Braun Strowman defending against Shinsuke Nakamura 
Cesaro and Sami Zayn. The Elimination Chamber with the SmackDown Tag Team titles has Miz and Morrison defending against New Day, The Usos, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, and Dolph and Robert Roode. The women's uh, chamber match, which will determine the number one contender for Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, features Natalia, Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Loga. So not only just a huge turnaround from doing the Super Showdown this past Thursday with about 10 days before Elimination Chamber, they're also setting up for WrestleMania. During that weekend, we're going to have the Hall of Fame inductions happening, I believe on Thursday night, and that's supposed to have the NWO with Hall, Nash, Hogan, and Waltman. Batista is going to be inducted, and the Bella Twins. We've also heard rumors of JBL and Davey Boy Smith being a part of this. They still have to confirm and get that uh, in place in time for the Hall of Fame. Then, of course, there'll be SmackDown. Then on uh, Saturday is NXT TakeOver. And that'll be in Tampa Bay as well. And the only thing announced on that is a ladder match to determine the number one contender to the NXT Women's Championship, which will be defended the next night. And currently at WrestleMania 36, there's five matches confirmed, and it'll be Becky Lynch against the winner of the Elimination Chamber, Rhea Ripley going against Charlotte Flair for the NXT Women's Championship. Brock Lesnar is going to defend the WWE Championship against Drew McIntyre. Goldberg is defending the Universal Championship against Roman Reigns. And as confirmed at the end of SmackDown, John Cena is going to go one-on-one against The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. So five matches. There's bound to be at least ten more, I think, probably uh, between now and then created for WrestleMania. And that happens at uh, the Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, Florida on Sunday, April 5th. Essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. 